Hey listeners, since starting this podcast, what seems like many, many, many years ago, I've been inundated by companies desperate for me to partner with them, sponsoring their brands. Most notably the Thai company that wanted me to do a Thai-in event called a Thai-in in a Thai restaurant. Well, after much deliberation, I've opted for a project that's very close to my liver. You'll have seen lately a lot of celebrities jumping on the wagon. And in recent months, the likes of Kylie Minogue, Sarah Jessica Parker and Graham Norton have been littering supermarket shelves and thereafter gay dinner parties with their own wine varieties. Well, now I've been dipping my toes into the great bucket uh, not literally, obviously, not with my fungal infection. And I'm pleased to be able to announce that House of Daft Products will be launching a whole heaping brand spanking new range of wines in the coming months in conjunction with Dutch startup company MineRank. Now, although they don't have a pedigree in the wine industry and are a fairly new company, MineRank are determined to bring a country not necessarily famous for its wine into the global arena, and I'm thrilled that they have chosen me to partner with them. It's simply an astonishing product. It's actually a miracle we've ended up with any wine at all, really. Uh, the grapes are grown uniquely on a vineyard in the surprisingly fertile soil of a reclaimed nuclear power plant in the Utrecht. Amazingly enough, the particular particles in that soil do lend a slight frizzante the overall finish. Now we've got two tongue-tingling varieties for you to try. In the white corner we have the House Sauvignon Blanc with its distinctive apples and peaches and a slight lemony finish with just a hint of urinal cake. It's a versatile wine that pairs very well with oysters mixed with goat's cheese but is also the perfect accompaniment to a pipe of Pringles when you stumble in from clubbing at 3am. And for the less time-sensitive amongst you, it also makes a very reasonable breakfast wine. In the red variety, we have the Cabernet Sauve Daft. Jammy, plummy, fruity, oaky, woodsy, herby, cagney, lacy. Quite a heavy, full-bosomed wine, but also a very light beasting of a one. Goes very well with a leg of bison, but also a dairily triangle. Sorry, we don't have that pink wine that ladies drink in development just yet, but in truth, you can just mix the red and white together, if anyone's desperate. So, check the supermarket shelves in September for House of Daft Wines, once we've swiped a Geiger counter up and down the bottle, obviously. The actor Freddie Van Duff was the name on everyone's lips in the 1970s. A child star who rose to prominence through early appearances in children's film foundation films such as Wolf Boy of Wizard Mountain and The Penetrating Fingers of Dr. Chang. Followed by the role which sealed his fame, the part of Kelvin Warrington, a homeless child prostitute addicted to crisps in children's tea-time schools drama, Harold Wood High.
Freddy was destined for great things, appearing in Barry Roach's study of a disillusioned North, playing Jimmy Jasper in the story of a boy and his wild ferret, Les. And then, in director Dexter Flop's 1980 controversial teen drama, Punkadelica, for which he won a smash hits poll winner's award for best hairstyle. But following that, at the age of only 17, he vanished. Much has been made of those intervening years. Many claim Von Duff was difficult to work with, and on set he was unfocused and unreliable. Others say that Freddy simply wasn't prepared for or interested in fame. Further people we asked say they'd never heard of him and have nothing to say about anything. Now 50, Freddy is looking to get back into show business. We caught up with him to find out what happened, where he's been, what he's been doing and why he's been doing it. Freddy, it's been over 30 years since you were lost in the public eye. That's quite a break. What have you been doing? I like being a tube driver. It's, um, it's well paid. Hours are good. Uh, I'm happy in my own company. And uh, oh, when I was an actor, I was once accused of not being able to take direction. The good thing about driving tubes is there's only one direction. But uh, being a tube driver has also fulfilled a little bit of my need to perform. Uh, a lot of people come up to the cabin and say I've got a nice soothing voice if we're ever stuck in a tunnel or someone's flung themselves on the track. And recently that type of adulation has made me yearn to get back into the limelight a bit. So, why the hiatus? Oh, we're at a red light. We have to stop at a red light. It's one of the five things you have to be able to do as a tube driver. A lot of the work you did as a youngster was very naturalistic, which made it quite hard to watch. Drugs, teen sex, ferrets. Do you think that perhaps the industry made you grow up too quickly? Critics used to say I had a wide-eyed naivety. I don't really know what that means. But the truth is I actually wasn't really sure what was going on most of the time. I was also quite into knitting. So I'd do my scene and then just go back to my trailer and finish a scarf or a tea cosy or something. I still knit. Knitted this entire uniform. Me dar hates me. Me ma hates me. I wet me head in class. Everyone at school thinks I'm a re-pillock. You're only one I've got, Les. If you'll keep biting me, I've got nothing. <laughs> Barry Roach's Les was set to launch you into the stratosphere and there was talk of a move to Hollywood. I believe you were courted by Martin Shuzhiji to appear in Taxi Driver 2, which would see you gender swap the original Jodie Foster role. My mum and I went to LA and met with absolutely everybody. Spielberg, Woody Allen, 
But I'd played enough child prostitutes by the time I was 13. You know, been there, got the crop top. Do you know what I'm saying? And I didn't really like America. Do you know, there's not one wool shop on Rodeo Drive. People do still come up to me and talk about Harold Wood High and how Kelvin's story really affected them. I think it was a very brave thing to do, um, put crisp addiction at the centre of a children's TV show. But, you know, it was 70s, there were only three channels, and you could pretty much do anything then. It was very serious at the time. Um, a lot of us were having crisps for breakfast, crisps for lunch. We were in danger of creating an entire generation addicted to crisps. And, of course, it started the anti-crisp addiction campaign, Say No to Knickknacks. Uh, the aim was really try and show the unglamorous side of crisp eating, and I think we mostly succeeded. We've still got the single we made somewhere. We were on top of the pubs. So, what next? I've managed to get an agent uh, who heard me announcing a broken down train on the Northern Line. And uh, as luck would have it, he heard that they were doing an animated version of Les. So he put me forward for it. They said I sounded too old to play Jimmy Jasper again, apparently. So I'm up for the part of a train driver who announces a broken down train up north. It's a start. Perhaps more excitingly, in the autumn, Freddie would appear in a new reality show. I've been approached to go on Great British Cast Off. Uh, it's like Bake Off for knitting. Uh, so that should raise my profile. Um, if I can get time off, of course. And then after that, who knows? Sadly, Freddie didn't get the part on Les, and Cast Off was cast aside. Two weeks ago, Freddie was found unconscious in an alleyway covered in Watsits and Monster Munch. I don't often get political on here. I didn't really want to use this platform for that. But it's got to the stage where I'm barely being asked for my opinion on anything anymore. And I have opinions, we all do. And the thing about opinions is that we all think that our opinions are better than anyone else's. I know mine are. But we seem to be at this particular point in time where there's no middle ground on anything, no consensus. So unless you have an extreme reaction to something, it's as if your opinion doesn't exist or count. But I can't have a debate about this on my own, and believe me, I've tried. So I've invited renowned Twitter botherer Royston Hertfordshire along to see if we can find common ground, agree to disagree, or if we do just plain disagree, on some of today's burning issues. Royston, welcome. Liptard. Royston, it feels that in the modern online age, it's impossible to have a reasoned debate. What are your thoughts on that? I'd like to start by saying, woke, deep state Trump Pizzagate, Hillary Clinton's emails, false flag, fake news locker up, take back control, make America great again. Right, that's... um. It's not really an answer, though, is it? It's just a collection of inflammatory, politicised statements tossed into any conversation to shut down discourse. 
and position your opinion as immovable, as if in some strange way it makes you free from scrutiny. Oh, I don't agree. Uh, white lives matter. All lives matter. Straight pride, anti-vaxxer, anti-anti-racist, PC brigade Brexit, red pill, flat earth, fake moon landings, freedom of speech. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about freedom of speech. Now, do you think that freedom of speech means being able to say anything, however stupid, much like you've been doing, without redress, or that we must take some responsibility for our words and the effect that they have on others? You know, the way I see it, 4chan God, Patriot White Power, alt-right, Antifa, Social Justice Warrior, Incel, Cuck Servitor. Yeah, you're just picking these out of a bag now, aren't you? Gamergate Snowflake, Turf, Masculinist, Britney Spears, Instagram, Tara Reid, the actor James Woods, Ramones. I think you may be broken. Uh, so, I guess we'll leave it there. Thank you, Royston Harfordshire. Soros. And remember, cancel culture, cancel culture, cancel culture. And now on House of Daft, comedian Sarah Millican reviews pornography. <laughs> that they've asked me to do this. Anyone who's ever been to see one of my shows knows I love talking about this stuff. Hands up if you've been to one of my shows. <laughs> Lots of men going, oh, under their breath. Well, I'm sorry you've been dragged here against your will, pet. Perhaps if you were more entertaining at home, she wouldn't need to get out so much. So, I asked my fella what type of movie we should look at. Hands up if you've got a boyfriend. Coming down the front here, very assertive. How long has it been, Flower? Two weeks. He's not getting out alive, is he? So I asked my fella, and obviously that was the wrong thing to do, because it exposed his very disturbingly wide knowledge of the genre. He's shouting things at me like, girl on girl, and gangbang. <laughs> like someone with Tourette's on catchphrase. <laughs> He's flinging acronyms at me like, MILF. I'm like, what's that? He says it means, mothers I'd like to fuck. And I'm thinking, great, now I'm thinking about your mother. She's a genre all of her own. If you want to be bored to death by someone with a wandering eye who smells of digestive. As with a lot of porn, the categories are quite seedy and derogatory. I mean, I've worked for the BBC. But in porn terms, well, let's just say a night with Apollo looks far more eye-watering than a night at one. I say, look, let's just settle on something. And he just shouted, dwarfs. I said, are you allowed to use that term? Is it not belittling? Apparently, it's a very popular search term. 
which you can kind of appreciate of a community whose work is quite seasonal. <laughs> Hands up if you've watched Dwarfborn. <laughs> the thing I've discovered by watching this video is how much dwarfs and nuns hang out together. <laughs> hang out being the operative words. So we fire up the DVD and it all starts reasonably enough. We're in a convent. I mean, it's no sound of music. But you can tell straight away they're not real nuns because of the shades of lipstick. I imagine nuns are into something a little more demure colour-wise, like sandal brown or communion wine red. But these nuns look like they just won a maxi challenge on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> start talking and my boyfriend says disappointingly it's in June as if we're not going to be able to figure out what's going on but he's grabbed the remote and he's looking for the subtitles which I realize is all my fault because I signed us up for that one month free subscription to movie <laughs> anyway something's obviously gone on between these nuns because one of them pulls the other's habit down in a fit of anger and then shouts at her boobs for absolutely ages. She's probably wondering why Sister Bertitz didn't add bra to the weekly shopping list. We'll never know. They're suddenly all fondly and tonguey and licky. Have you noticed, ladies, when your boyfriend licks your face, you're disgusted. But when the dog does it, you're smearing peanut butter over your forehead. Now, this being from the continent, things do start to get a little heated. And before you know it, one nun is using the other as a glove puppet. <laughs> I'm thinking, you'll not find a bra up there, flower. <laughs> Hands up if you've tried fisting. I realise that's a poor choice of words. Anybody? None of you can get your hands up at all. Well, don't join a convent, is all I'm saying. The only thing you can bring to the table is Scrabble. They're not going to be welcoming you with open arms. Or open anything. It's all a bit intense for me, so I get up and go and make a cup of tea. As I turn around, my fella says, That one looks like you. And for a minute, I'm thrilled that my boyfriend thinks like I look like a sexy nun until I look at the TV and see one of the dwarves has entered the scene. <laughs> Listen, you've been champion. And as one nun says to the other, thanks for coming. <laughs>